Why, hello, and welcome to the Coworked Podcast. That's my podcast voice. I do not use that for the podcast, just so you're all aware. Welcome to Coworked. I'm your host, TJ Marchbank. If you don't know who I am already, I have been in the entertainment industry for about 15 years. I've worked all over the place, from BuzzFeed to Watcher to other media companies to film and TV sets, and uh, I've worked with a bunch of people, and so I thought, hey, why not sit down and talk to the people I've worked with? Because you might not know who I am, but I guarantee you know who I've worked with. So let's jump right into it, shall we? Uh, I want to introduce my very first guest on the maiden voyage that is the Cowork Podcast. I have literally traveled the world with this person on a show called BuzzFeed Unsolved. You also might know him as being one of three founders of the company Watcher. He is a fantastic creator, a funny guy, a wonderful performer. I am excited and extremely honored to introduce Mr. Shane Madej. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, the the blade and bow. That's why when you were like, oh, I'm on my way, and I thought about it more, and I was like, maybe he should come over. We could, we should have this whiskey. It's tasty. I was really that, yeah, tasty. it was like, uh, you know, we can hang out some other time, but I was excited to to chill and uh, throw back a, a nice bev. But then I was also like, hey, if I don't have to leave the house, that's also perfectly. Yeah, that's accepted. always that's always a good thing when you don't have to leave the house. Absolutely. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh-huh. Of course. First things first, the one thing I like I always kind of get tripped up about podcasts is at the end of the interview when everyone's already kind of faded out. They always ask like, oh, what are you working on? Is there anything you want to like talk about or promote? So I'm going to switch it up and ask you, that's the first question. Is there anything like Watcher's working on or Shane Madej is working on that you want to like promote? We're, we're, we just finished shooting Ghost File Season 2. Yeah. Um, which is going to be absolutely dreadful because you're not working on it. Um, <laughs> uh uh puppet history is coming out sooner than that uh season six which is a lot of seasons because we did two a year during the pandemic um yeah it's no you know we got a we got a full lineup a full lineup over there and we're touring later this year i saw you go you're going to cleveland baby yeah we are you're welcome to join for that one (laughs) we're trying to get little stevie lim to come out to cleveland too oh yeah he wants us. I was actually talking to him today because uh, he invited us to try some Skyline Chili. And he was looking in Cleveland and he was like, oh, there's not a lot of them there. He was like, I, I don't think the people in Cleveland really care for it. No. Cincin- T- I don't think TJ has any love for it in his heart. <laughs> Cincinnati. That's that's Cincinnati's thing. That's they, a can ha- thing. they can have yeah. that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm willing to try it. Like I, I've never the the very concept of it since uh shivers down my spine but you know there's a lot of things that sound like they shouldn't be appetizing and then you try them and you're like you know what weirdly that works yeah it's not it's not bad it's a very ohio dish yeah i mean that sounds fun i i would have to convince 
my wife why I'm spending the money and or and or miles to fly to Cleveland to watch an episode. Well, you could also you could also just come to the L.A. show. <laughs> right, That's true, too. That might that might make more sense. That's why when Ryan was like, we got comps. I'm like, for Cleveland, you got me a comp for Cleveland. We have. Well, because we're going to all these cities. We don't know anyone there. Yeah. And they're like, we've got 20 tickets for you if you want to invite anybody. And we're like, we don't we don't know anybody there. I mean, I can put some people on the list for you if you want. No, yeah. I mean, we can bring out the rest of the March Bank. There clan. you go. I'll send my whole family up there. Yeah. Well, it was it was definitely sad for me to not be on Ghost Files this season. Yeah, we missed you. I had a lot of FOMO with all your posts. I'll tell you though, man, it's real boring places. <laughs> you would not have enjoyed them, I don't think. We were on a, the last shoot that we were on last week. Our travel got delayed by a day because our connecting flight got delayed or our first flight got delayed so we would miss the connecting flight and we oh my god i mean we'll we'll get to the bulk you know the meat of your podcast here but i want to tell you this please we essentially got stranded in uh dallas for a night and american airlines put us up in a hotel and I guess I thought in my mind, like I've, I've very rarely been put up in a hotel by an airline. I guess that one time we were in Ohio, I think that happened. Was that we in- did not get put up by the airline. Um, yeah, that was, we, we just, we just, yeah, Buzzfeed that. just had to, to buy us another night. I see. Well, they put us up in a hotel and Lizzie Lockard, uh, said, oh, it's the, um, studio six suites. And I was like, well, we're going to have to stop at a grocery store or something. That sounds like the kind of place that has little kitchenettes and stuff, you know, almost like an extended stay. And we got there and it, uh, you know, no disrespect to motels. I've stayed at a lot of nice motels. This was a rebranded Motel 6 with a three-star rating on Google reviews. You would have loved it. You would have loved the, you know, in the this rich dance that we call life, those moments where you're just like, what a what a night this has been. <laughs> we got to the hotel and we were already like, oh, this might not be great. I got to my room and I opened it up. It was like 90 degrees out and humid. None of us had our luggage. Um, so we were all dressed for cold weather. Um, and I opened my room. It was pitch black inside. And the door slammed behind me and the air had not been on. So the room was like 80 degrees and humid. And I went to turn the light on and the light switch didn't work. So (laughs) the door slammed behind me. I'm in this pitch black room. I can't see anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, where's my phone? I turned my phone on. God, wait, I'm just going to show you. Oh boy. uh, On this uh, Zoom video, the the state of the room... (laughs) I think which is best represented by the curtain. Uh, this is, this is, this was the curtain in the room. (laughs) So TJ is currently looking at just a curtain that looks like it's been in, like someone tried to rip it off. Then I turned the light on and it started, the light was a strobe light basically. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we, um, I very quickly texted Ryan and I was like, we as a company need to pay for everybody to stay at a nicer hotel immediately. And we did that, but I think you would have enjoyed it. I really missed you on that one. I think you would have appreciated the uh, humor of the situation. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
Okay, so other than the curtain, was like the room like set up where the beds made and the beds were made. Uh, some of the reviews said there were um, uh, like bed bugs. Uh, we we essentially the text thread for the the traveling crew just turned into a basically an inventory of everything that was horrifying in everybody's room. Uh, one of the funnier things was that in Lizzie's, we all had mini fridges. Lizzie's room, just for no reason, had a full size <laughs> refrigerator at, at the foot of her bed. Uh, you know, there were like cigarette burns and mattresses. Oh my and god! It, it was it was pretty creepy. I just like the idea that someone came into that room, made the beds. Yeah. Set up the room, but then looked at that curtain and was like, "Nah, it's good." Looks good to me. Looks good to me. Check. Yeah. Did that room. Yeah, it was weird. Wow. That reminds me almost we stayed. Do you remember that hotel in Arizona when we did Vulture Mine? Yeah, it was similar to that, though. That one, at least. (sighs) This place seemed like it knew like it was aware of how bad it was and did not care right whereas vulture the place we stayed in vulture mine i had like the remnants of like some sort of beetle strewn all across yep. my bathroom counter for some reason on my bed that at least that at least seemed like a hotel where they were like well we're trying our best you know we, we can't these beetles are drying up and dying everywhere but there were two beds in my room i saw yeah. like remnants of one on top like on the like top sheet and i was like well i'm not i knocked them off but i was like whatever about that bed and then i i went in to get in the other bed and i lifted up and then there were like three or four of them just dead and dried up under the sheet so i was like well i guess i'm gonna go to the other one and hope to god there's nothing so i like full-on lifted the sheet yeah it was it was a lot That's so a lot. man man the places we have been oh boy <laughs> Oh, God. Well, that brings me to my next question. Uh, uh, I mean, I know the answer to this, but for those who don't, where where did we work together, you and me, Mr. Madej? We worked together at uh, BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed uh, Video, BuzzFeed Motion Pictures, whatever they want to call themselves. BuzzFeed Studios. Uh, BuzzFeed. Yeah, that's where we, that's where our paths crossed and... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of when we first worked together. It was probably, uh, oh, it was probably Kelsey Dara's show. Yeah, that's what I remember. Uh, am I doing this right? Because we kind of got thrown into being roommates for that trip. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we had fun. We did have fun. It was, it was, I was a little nervous about it. Cause like, I think that's fair. You know, you, you're good. You're going on a, a week long trip with someone you don't know and are forced to be spend time together in a hotel room together it's you know but no it was fun i i i I look back at that big ass room that we had in in philly it was stunning and the 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 nights where we just sat and chatted and drank some summer shandies that trip was unique in that we the series that we were working on was going to the republican national convention in cleveland and then the democratic national convention in philly but those two events were about five to six days apart yeah so we just hung in philly we got to philly and essentially just had three or four days of downtime which was fun i you know i mean i've talked about this before but i think that's also you know when we were working on unsolved and now ghost files 
uh, one of the reasons I think the crews tend to be so, you know, we tend to be pretty buddy-buddy with each other because we don't shoot till sundown and we spend entire days just being like, well, let's go mosey about this cute little town. Mm -hmm. Except for Ryan, who usually sleeps till two and then um, joins us after that. Yeah, it's so funny when he wakes up, he like joins us for a late lunch or dinner or whatever. And you and I are like talking about like, oh, yeah, well, we went to coffee this morning and walk around, whatever, whatever. And Ryan's like, you guys got up and got coffee this morning. It was like yeah. at like 10. Uh -huh. But yes, BuzzFeed is where it all began. Yeah, the BuzzFeedery. Oh, man. Did you know that you on Google are listed as Shane Maday author? Well, I am an author, you know. <laughs> I know you are. I am a. I, just I am a, thought that was funny. I am a selling author, is what I refer to myself. You're as. a selling author. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I technically wrote a book, uh, along with Ryan, and it's yes. worth checking out. I forgot the title. Cool. Thanks for coming. <laughs> but it's about unsolved, it's like right? Fifteen thousand spooky yeah. stories to give you goosebumps in the night, yeah. or something. Um. I think it's 101, 101 <laughs> something spooky, supernatural, haunted places throughout this great country of ours yeah. called America. And you get, it's just like a recollection of, of places that we investigated, isn't it? Or are you guys talking about new places? It's little, it's little historical tidbits about uh, various places that we've been to throughout the country and then a bunch of other ones that we haven't been to, but are generally pretty right. aware of. Um, and then it's littered with our inane banter. Uh, trademark true. inane banter. It's a great book. You know, it's a great book. And uh, I've still yet to see it in a store. So I don't know that it's a real book. People allegedly bought it. But it's just online. It's on like Amazon. Or no, people have seen it in stores. Interesting, but you have not seen it. No, every time I go to the airport, I'm like, it's going to be here next to the Pattersons. Um, never there. Never there. All right. Well, we're going to keep it. Every, everybody keep a, an eye out for the book by author Shane Madey. Please, please. Uh, and Ryan Bergara and his assistant, Ryan Bergara. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we're un unclear of what the title is, but look out for that. One. Have we talked about you going to Columbia College in Chicago? Is that right? Wikipedia says that you went to Columbia College in That's Chicago. correct. That's correct. Uh, I don't know if we ever talked about that. Like, I know you grew up in Schaumburg. Schaumburg, Illinois. Um, which is not too far from Chicago. Correct. And so you spent a lot of time in Chicago, but I guess I didn't realize that you went to school in Chicago. I, f uh, I went to Northern Illinois University for two years. I think largely because I, you know, in high school, I, I did a, a lot of editing. I mean, I was like editing on a camcorder in grade school, you know, just shooting stuff as edited, basically. Yeah. Did you ever do the, the VCR edit with like the tape where you like? I never did that. No. Oh, man. Does that work? Yeah. I used to do it all the time. You'd like plug it into the VCR and you'd find your take with the TV and or, you know, like within the camera and you'd play it and then hit record on the VCR and then you pause the recording 
oh. when it was done. And then you go back. I mean, it's it's very choppy editing, but it was a way to edit. I did a lot of my little films like that. Wow. Never occurred to me to do it that way. But that now that I'm thinking of it, that would work. Yeah. Um, no, we we would always shoot stuff like in camera, which was equally sloppy. But I like I would also do I would do like stop motion by just like hitting the button real fast. Yeah. With like claymation. You know, I always liked doing that. And then in high school, I was then I started using actual editing software and I really liked doing that. But when it came time to actually go to college for it, I felt bad doing that because I was like, this seems like a waste of time to pursue something like creative feels very selfish. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, here's the thing. I went there for to northern Illinois for two years. And I did a lot of gen eds and I majored in communications, which is a very vague nonsense thing. I mean, it's a, it's not a nonsense thing. There's plenty of people with communications majors. All, and now on. they're all going to come after you. <laughs> they're all mad. Um, it was a nonsense thing for me when I clearly wanted to do something more creative. Communications is good for more like business oriented stuff. And I have no capabilities in that realm. So after two years of, of sort of not, being intensely creative on stuff at, like during my second year i was like all right i i i gotta go i gotta leave and go go out do some at, like i had i remember like calling my parents and my parents are the most supportive people in the world but i called them i was like i really want to go to film school guys and they were like well yeah i mean of course you do <laughs> i was like oh okay yeah um, no brainer so i transferred to columbia college uh, which is a great school. It's in Chicago, for those who don't know. it's I think at the time, it may still be, it's one of the biggest film schools maybe in the world. And biggest is not always, you know, the best. It just means a lot of people go there. Right. But it was great for, you know, collaboration and stuff. You'd always get a bunch of people working on little shorts together. And it's right there in the loop. So you'd all be out there and... 20 degree weather in November, or December, like filming on Bolex cameras in Grant Park. So I went there for two and a half years and then then graduated in 2009 when there really weren't jo jobs, you know? Yeah. So then I, I mean, I worked for a lot of miscellaneous places for about five years. I worked for like a, a lot of corporate video places. I worked for a public access place. Um, and this was as an editor. You were doing this as I was an just editor? editing. Yeah. And th that it was that your was that what you studied when you went to to Columbia yeah. College? Yeah, it was all I was an editing focus uh, with, with just a film degree of some kind. Nice. And, you know, I would probably argue I don't know that there's like no value to it because I did learn a lot there. I've seen a lot of people who who do say, like, you know, if you want to be an editor, just edit don't don't go to film school for it that's probably a route you know it's probably a route <laughs> yeah it helps like it helps. i i learned a lot there but i also had been editing on premiere throughout high school and then you could, you could probably just buy some books if you really you know if you really love editing i i've always really 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 loved it and i have i also at the same time also did a you know i was very into after effects and I've never really had much formal training in After Effects, but over the years, I've just, anytime I, I do a new project, I always try and do something that I haven't done in After Effects. And probably very inefficiently, I've realized 
I've been using these programs for so long, photo, like uh, all the Adobe programs and Final Cut for a while there before everybody decided it, it stunk. I feel like I should take classes on them because there are certainly whatever process I'm using for a lot of things. It's probably not good. You know, I've, I've just been doing it for 20 years and I've yeah. formed my own awful habits. That. yeah i'm I, i'm the exact same way like you just yeah you do it for so long you know what what works for you and you know how to do it quickly and yeah. like whether it's the proper way to do it or not you're just like well whatever and like i do that all the time where i'm like how the, there's something i specifically want to do and what i usually do doesn't work yeah and so i'll look at like a youtube tutorial yeah and then they're like doing all these things and i was like oh. wait what why are you why are you doing oh oh i'm the one that's doing it wrong i've been doing it incorrectly this whole time yeah but yeah i it was all editing, and then those jobs were all editing. Though we, I was also, it was honestly very similar to what would come in handy at BuzzFeed because sure. it was like I was editing, but I was, you know, for when it was corporate video, we'd go out and shoot stuff, and I'd just be sort of a general grip, uh, sometimes a camera op. It was, it was very mm -hmm. Swiss Army knife. Uh, same for the public access thing, you know, it was like a, I would shoot stuff pretty regularly. Nothing thrilling but you know psa's you were wait you worked in public access yeah. that's what you were doing you shot stuff for public access public nice. access and then yeah a lot of uh the corporate job I, I call it corporate video but it was like a i guess it was yeah it was corporate it was it was a lot of different clients so it would be like we'd shoot medical videos and educational videos PSAs, local commercials. It wasn't like creatively satisfying, but as someone who enjoys editing, it's like not everything has to be my cup of tea for me to feel mm -hmm. satisfied putting something together. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are always surprised that Ryan and I get along so well because we're we're different in a lot of ways, but his story is pretty similar to mine. He he uh Ryan Bergara, the co-host of BuzzFeed Unsolved and Ghost Files, and my business partner. I'm giving people context if they just clicked into this podcast and are like, who are these guys? Right. No, that's fair. You know? No, but Ryan had a very similar path after college. He also did a lot of sort of, I don't even want to call it soul-sucking or mind-numbing because I legitimately, I'm one of those people who tries to find value in all of the jobs that I've had. I've enjoyed them all. I've loved the people I worked with. Um, but clearly it wasn't like scratching my creative itch. Um, but yeah, Ryan had a lot of similar gigs, medical kind of stuff, graduations, um, mm -hmm. you know, dry, dry content. Dry content. Dry. That's a great, that's a great way to put it. It's dry yeah. content. Uh, and all of this, everything that you were doing, that was still in Chicago in Illinois. That was all in Illinois. Yeah. I had grand intentions of moving to Los Angeles I was like, oh, I'm going to move right after I graduate. And then things were just so, you know, the job market was really bad. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I can't do it. And then I, for a while, I was like, maybe I'll never move out there. But then I want to say it was five years after I graduated, I moved. Yeah, I think it was almost five on the nose because I moved in 2014. Wow. Did you move out here for the job at BuzzFeed? I did. I had a friend uh kasha galazka who worked in the new york office she had worked for buzzfeed for a couple years mm -hmm. and she messaged me one day and was like oh you know they're they're doing some video stuff in la you should apply and i i think i i put a reel together 
Because I had done like some good graphics work. I'd done all the weird, boring corporate videos, but then I had some like passion projects that I'd done on the outside, just like weird, goofy, green screen, graphics heavy comedy videos, weird, weird little bits. Yeah. Uh, that were solely for the amusement of like me and my friends. So, but they were, you know, they looked good. They were fun. They had a little bit of humor to them. So I had made this big reel with like a lot of clips from that as well as, uh, you know, some of my fancier corporate videos. And I was like, I don't know if they'll like this. I sent it out and I got an email from, I, I believe my first contact from BuzzFeed was one Mr. Ned Fulmer. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I think he was like, oh, great reel. Uh, I think I had sent it out in like March or something of 2014. Uh, and the response I got was like, this is great, but we're full up for our intern and fellowship hires right now. But they must have not had like their processes in place of like how to communicate with people because they essentially were like, they, they, interview, they interviewed me on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, that went well, I think. Then they emailed me and were like, okay, we don't have any positions open right now. The fellowship will be opening up in October or September or October. And I don't remember the exact wording. I could probably look it up on my email right now. But they essentially were like, the way they worded it made it sound like, and you're in, you know? Oh, wow. And I was like, hell yeah, yes, great. Okay, well, I'll, you know, they were like, we'll be in touch with you. I was like, okay. And I checked in with them a few times throughout those like six months or whatever. I had a good friend here in Illinois mm -hmm. and he was also moving out to LA. And I was like, you know what? Let's just get an apartment. We'll, we'll get, and he is a, he's a teacher. So he was moving out there in like August. I was like, okay, well, look, you get out there. If you find an apartment that fits two people, we'll just, we'll, we'll be roomies. Uh, so he got out there in August, but so we had this all sort of planned. I had like a big going away party. I quit my job, obviously. And then on the uh, drive out there, I can't remember if I like gave them the implication that I lived in L.A. I certainly didn't say like I don't live in L.A. Right. But on the drive out there, I called them because I, I was getting in on like a Tuesday. Uh -huh. And... I had been checking in with them because they were like, oh, we'll call you in, in September at some point. I was like, okay. I called them on like a on like the Monday. We were getting in on a Tuesday and they were like, can you come in on Wednesday for an interview? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> Which I don't think I told any, you know, I, I didn't tell anybody because uh, I was like, oh, I guess I don't have that job that I moved out here for. So got there on a Tuesday, showed up on a Wednesday uh, for an interview at the old DeLong Prey office, which is now demolished. I know. And I, I believe there's a Netflix office there now. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah, that whole thing is gone. I was interviewed by Ned and Kate Sosa, who is who was one of my champions at BuzzFeed. Uh, I worked on her team when I started. Yeah. But they interviewed me and... Then they, I think it was the same day, they like right after the interview, there was not any delay. They brought me down to like the tables and they were like, 
hey, so we don't have any openings for the fellowship. And I was like, oh. And they were like, but we do have the internship, which is paid. And now I think internships are generally paid because, you know, there, there was a bit of a sea change. But in 2014, it was still... They should always be paid. They should, yes. yeah. Yeah. In 2014, it was still, like, becoming the trend. And I was right. like, oh, well, this is a miracle. I was like, yes, I'll take, yes, of course, of course, please, please. So they did that. They hired me there. And then it was like 1 p.m. Uh, it was my first day in L.A. I was right by the Arclight. I walked over to the Arclight and I saw the guest at like 2 p.m. I got a big popcorn. I was like, I did it, baby. I'm in yeah. Tinseltown. I'm seeing a movie. I got a job. Uh, and that's 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 how it all happened. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, that I mean, that's pretty crazy. I didn't know any about that like i knew you were uh you started off as an intern and then you moved up uh did you did you just go like did you do the same track as everybody else you were like intern then fellow then then you became like a junior producer and whatnot and that led to whatever you were doing or was it kind of like jumping yeah. around no i did that i was uh yeah an intern through wasn't i was i an intern no the intern thing was how many rounds of internship? Okay, no, it was, yeah, it was like a three-month internship, I think. Yeah, from what I remember, it was three for interns, three for fellow, and then if you got bumped up to junior producer, you were, like, hired. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, it was a three-month internship. They did hire me on after the internship, I think because, I mean, I was a pleasant guy, you know? I think that goes a long way. I was pretty competent on sets. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have any major fuck-ups. And again, I think working with... I worked on the blue team, the science team. I did a lot of good infographic videos. I, I kind of bent over backwards to make a couple videos um, when I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. And then the fellowship was another three months. And I tend to be a very slow editor just because I labor over creative decisions a lot and i i sink a lot of time into dumb little details you <laughs> i think I, i'm fairly confident that they were not going to hire me after that but that kate sosa like really stuck her neck out for me and was like look shane's shane's a good editor and oh, he's man. good at graphics so i i don't think i would have remained there if not for her and i tried to pay that forward uh eventually later on I was involved in like a hiring process at some point. And I really tried to hone in on people who I thought were great editors and, you know, even if their output wasn't stellar. So you're the reason why I got laid off. I didn't want to like come out and say that. <laughs> but yeah, when I said try to pay it forward, I meant to say I got you laid off. <laughs> I stormed into Jonah Peretti's office and I said, this guy. I, either you lay him off or I'm not hunting ghosts anymore. <laughs> or I walk, which is, I mean, obviously not true because you and Ryan left like, I don't know, what, um, two months? Like you were no longer a regular employee. Like you were hired talent for a while, yeah. but to finish out Unsolved. But you guys weren't there as regular employees much past the layoffs. Right? No, not very long. We We had already been talking about leaving at that point. Any motivation that there was to continue to work there, we were like, well, a lot of people are gone. 
the the reason why you and Ryan really left BuzzFeed was just like you were ready to go. Yeah. I was probably dragging my feet the longest because I'm a creature of comfort and stability. Uh, and I like a reliable thing. And now three years into Watcher, I finally achieved that. And I feel at peace again to some degree. But the uh, after we left and were starting Watcher and we didn't have an office and we were meeting in Ryan's kitchen and then eventually like a, a shared workspace, one of those like WeWork type places, it felt like children pretending to do business, you know? It was like, we can do this ourselves. Um, and I'm not sure that we can still. I still don't have any faith in that. But um, that was very scary to me uh, at the time to, to just yeah. bail on reliability. I think, yeah, the, the tipping point was, you know, people getting laid off. And I had, I think I had, we had done pre-production on season two of Ruining History and were one to two weeks away from shooting it. And then we had a meeting where they were like, hey, we're not going to shoot this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. Uh, they were like, yeah, we just don't want to spend money on series right now. And I was like, well, we put a lot of work into developing season two. Uh, I, And I didn't even, I think at the time, I wasn't like, that's it. That's the last straw. Right. But in retrospect, that was probably, you know, a tipping point. I was like, well, I can't really do. And it was also, it was just a tough balance because I was so involved with Unsolved. But I was a weird distance from it because I, I wasn't like creatively involved with it very much, except for the hot dogga. Obviously, that was a masterpiece. Some may say the best part of Unsolved. Really good stuff. Um so the history show on the side was like, oh, great. I, I can pour myself into something, have a lot of fun with that. So as soon as that evaporated, I was like, well, can't really. And I couldn't even do my funny hot dog animations anymore because they fired that whole team too, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, well, I think I'm good to go now because there's not really anything for me here now. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I've seen a lot of people chalk it up to, they've been like, well, finally they're free. Fine. And I get it. You know, you, you want a narrative, but I've seen people posit some theory that, you know, we were creatively restrained there. And I don't think that was ever really the case. Yeah. I did a hot dog show, you know, I had animated hot dogs <laughs> with, with musicals yeah. in them. I don't know that we ever out. I mean, outside, I really can't think of times when there were like big creative notes on Unsolved. They never told us really what to do and what not to do. Yeah. I think on a show like that, though, we were so locked in. I mean, they definitely cut our budget. It that was one, really locked in. Yeah. That yeah. one season, they cut our budget and it's like Mark was couldn't the even be there. Thing. That was the tough season where it was literally just me, you, Devin, and Ryan. Uh, yeah. There but, were seasons where the budget was slashed. And then yeah. I think if anything, the, the if there was any sort of stifling going on, it was really just the inability for Ryan to, to steer the show in a direction that he wanted to or, mm -hmm. you know, it might have gotten trickier in that case yeah now having full ownership of our series it does yeah it does feel good you know i can do my puppet history and turn it into 
you know, a weird you know, magnum opus. I will say with BuzzFeed, with my my experience there and working with a bunch of different people, there were some things here and there, depending on the creator or the producer, that a lot of people were kind of being held back a little bit. I think you you guys, which I know you know, but I think you guys were able to have a little bit more uh, creativity and people didn't touch it much because they knew it was bankable and that people would watch it and love it and whatnot. And I, I think new ideas... It started off where like new ideas, bring them, let's try them. And then they started being very weary about different things. Yeah. And I, I, I fully understand where that comes from. And I, I understand that we were largely shielded from some of that. Yeah. I think the hot dog, I don't think they knew that existed. Frankly, it was the last three minutes of a Q and a supplemental series that right. frankly, I don't think anyone at the company watched. No. Um, <laughs> I get it because I, I worked because I was like had half of my I had one foot mm-hmm. on unsolved and then I had this weird pocket of hours where I would just be assigned to miscellaneous unscripted projects. And those were those were very difficult because it was a lot of corporate notes. Yeah. So I could understand the thing with unsolved is like it was a hit out of the gates. Yeah. So they were sort of like, well, yeah, we can't really mess with that too much um they tried to at times but then they kind of like stepped back i mean they yeah yeah. i don't you know ryan would have to speak to that i don't really know i know you know i'm sure there was plenty of unpleasantness oh there's there's always because i i experienced it in other realms uh in the company but yeah yeah i i remember you know i was mainly doing like first ad and the kind of like jack of all trades kind of position for so long and maybe it was on me for not like trying to step in and do more creative stuff but when i finally did like you and i were talking about like a weird game show that we might work on it together on and then i was talking about monster detective for a minute and like there was like other things that i was like trying to do and i think a lot of people that were above me i'm not going to mention any names were kind of like trying to keep me in my spot I don't know if it's like they didn't want to lose me or it was like they 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 had enough producers and and then it didn't matter in the end in the long run we were like greenlit for monster detective and then I got laid off. It also got to a point especially toward the end there where they seemed if anyone had an idea that they felt very strong about and had like like a sense of ownership to the idea mm-hmm. it seemed like they wanted to dissuade that they didn't really want a green light series where it was like i have made this this is something that i have made and really want to make yeah it was more like well we just want people to make the things that fit our verticals and whatever other weird corpo speak hey what are you gonna do man you know what are you gonna do (laughs) what are you gonna do what a Uh, crazy time you know crazy time crazy company i said but yeah, let's talk about Watcher, man. Like you, so yeah, you guys left BuzzFeed and then you went, you you started your own company at Watcher. You, ta- you tapped into that a little bit of being really scared. Yeah, feeling really scared and, and not real. Man. I mean, I will say from my experience, and I know it's your interview and, and I'll shut up. Take it away, baby. Working with you guys and Watcher versus BuzzFeed, it, 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 you t- you can tell the difference. So like when we, yeah, the first time I walked into the Watcher office, the, the one you had down on Sunset, it was a weird one. Yeah, it was a weird one, but it was like, but it was, it's like you, you could tell the vibes were there of these are people that really just like want to make cool 
content and and just want to create and want to give that opportunity to other people um when you have the opportunity to give but for the most part like really have an outlet for yourselves and now uh, three years later like you're it's it's still thriving you guys are still creating great shit and you're bringing in other people to do great shit and it's just like it's great it's cool man like you know i'm proud of you oh thank you well we couldn't have done it without you that's very true yeah, yes, I think have. we sort of, what'd you say? I said, yes, you could have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think when it came down to it, we sort of um, looked at what we loved about shooting the shows that we enjoyed shooting at BuzzFeed uh, and tried to take the best parts of those and and apply that sort of system to what we were making. And then uh, eventually we realized, well, well, I guess some of that other infrastructure is very essential to the operation of a company. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then slowly had to hire more and more people. Not had to, got to, got to hire more and more people. There's still probably 20 roles that we could hire for, but, you know, you got to expand slowly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a real gamble. And we launched in January of 2020. And spent three months in an office and then shut that whole thing down because of a little thing called the coronavirus, which we all know and love. (laughs) Um, Recently, I was looking at old puppet history episodes because we essentially, a lot of people know this, but we shot six months of content before we launched the company, which ended up being a miracle because Mm -hmm. it gave us, you know, a little bit of uh, runway to record new content and figure out what to put up during the pandemic. But that first season of puppet history ran through like April or May. Mm -hmm. And then season two started in like August or September of that year, which means we turned like I, in the middle of everything that was going on, we probably greenlit a second season of that in like May or June. And then just, I mean, you were on, I think, almost every shoot, right? Yeah. You, I, you I were did the, at people's like, apartments. Yeah. Uh, I did the camped remote outside. setups for everybody. Yeah. Uh, we had a very strange system that sometimes worked well and other times did not work well at all. You know what we got? We did get it down. We got it, we got down. it down to a science. Yeah. It was, it was that very first day where we shot like two or three episodes. Maybe it was just two. Uh, where we did it at Kate's first. And then I think later I went to Matt Rial's and yeah. we were doing the, the, the whole GoPro thing and whatnot. Kate's worked out fine. I sat right outside of her apartment. It was great. You know, Matt's was a, was tough cause I had to sit in my car. There was no place for me to go. And he was like, you can stay in my apartment. We'll just stay so far away. We'll keep the windows open and all this stuff. And, you know, I had a new baby ish. Like, you know, he was a year at that point. But it was just like I was terrified of COVID at that moment. So I was like, I'm not I'm double masked already. And I'm sitting in my car double mat like I'm yeah. that that's how afraid I was of it. So it was just like, I'm not going to, I, I mean, we all that were real, but I'm not going to yeah. go in your apartment. right now. No. Yeah. We, I, I think even the one, cause we were at the watcher office, you would go to people's houses and basically walk in double masked, set up their camera, 
set up their audio mm -hmm. and then you had a feed going to outside of their house um and we had a feed in the watcher office with a webcam pointed at the puppet theater yeah and then another bigger camera set up to record the actual episode so the zoom was you me a guest the puppet theater it was crazy i can't believe we did all that that summer it was truly nuts it was um, nuts it's crazy yeah but using covid to mark like the essentially the beginning the launch of the channel uh yeah it's crazy it feels i don't know if it's just covid being like a just sort of a mind melter when mm -hmm. it comes to like the passage of time because those like one and a half to two years just feels long and short at the same time so it's really hard for me to gauge the the lifespan of the company at this point yeah but then when when we look back at like old content from 2020 i'm like oh my god feels like a decade ago and yesterday yeah ain't that just life you know? i mean i i was thinking about that prepping for this of just like the amount of one how hot it was in that that building that we shot that the first season and maybe the third season of puppet history when we were back in in person or did you do your yes. third season on zoom as well second and third seasons were remote fourth season yeah. was at the hungarian cultural alliance yeah that's what it was we were back by the fourth season so i did, i wasn't there for the third season i i was doing something else but i i remember coming back in person for the fourth and sweltering sweltering in that first season i mean sweltering in the fourth season too but sweltering and, and it was yeah. just like yeah and i and also just like how much stuff we shot for the channel before the channel was you said like you shot like six months of content and now like thinking about it like wow we you really did like because i was on puppet history with you we did tours trapped um I, weird wonderful weird wonderful world because we did the, spooky the small talk yeah spooky small talk holy shit i totally forgot about spooky small talk that's crazy yeah that was before the pandemic it's crazy yeah there's a lot wow a lot to do now we space it out a little better we realized uh that we're going to have them almost all of our content shot for this year by like we're essentially pretty much done whoa save for like i'm pretty sure we're gonna do like a too many spirits later this year but mm. you know ghost files is in the can yeah uh puppet history is in the can i don't you know we got some debriefs to film but yeah for the most part we're kind of mapped out for the rest of the year that's which is awesome crazy yeah but you know well, if you so need if you need a special you special for guest for for one evening of of uh, of too many spirits, you know, I'll always drink with you. You swing on by. I don't even have to be on camera. Nice. So, but yes, what a wonderful voyage it's been with Watcher Entertainment. We learn new things every day, and we continue to push ourselves. And the future is looking bright, folks. Is that? It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I rarely ever talk about the company. You yeah. Know? Steven is the technical CEO of the, no, he is the CEO of the company. So he's great at, at patter, you know, right. sound bites. Yeah. But you, you're I'm, good. You're good at say you're, you're rocking the sound bites. It's the, it's the home and future of entertainment. There you go. What, with all the travel that you do, what is the favorite place? What is your, the, the most favorite place that you've ever been? 
This is a tough call. I just went back to New Orleans for the first time since we went there with mm. Unsolved, and mm. I was that was only, so it was only my second time there, uh, and it's one of those things where I you know you go to a place very briefly, you love it, and then for years afterwards you're like I gotta go back there, and then you're afraid that it's not gonna live up to whatever idealized experience you have in your head of it. But mm -hmm. it was spectacular. Like yeah. going back there, I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, and you know. There's a lot of obvious places, but I'm going to throw out a curveball for a place that we went this season on Ghost Files that ended up being so surprisingly delightful. Kansas City. Holy moly, what a town. I love Kansas City. Beautiful, beautiful town. Yeah. There was a day where, like I was talking about earlier, you know, when we're doing these ghost hunts, we don't start shooting till sundown. So you wake up at, 8, 9 a.m., you go get a little coffee, you get a pastry, and then you sort of got a day ahead of you. And, uh, you know, sometimes you do work. Sometimes you leave notes on a puppet history if you if you gotta. Mm -hmm. But there was a day in Kansas City where we didn't have anything going on. Uh, me, Ryan, and his cousin Carter, and um, our uh, DIT, Adam, we all just rented bikes and rode around Kansas City for like three or four hours. We stopped off at a brewery at one point, oh. got a little beer. Yeah. Rode along the river. It was just like so lush. Mm -hmm. The outskirts of the city, there's a lot of like old industrial buildings that are abandoned, but not in a creepy way. It just feels very like I don't know. It was it was enchanting. Yeah. I all of us walked away from that city being like, wow, they yeah. really got something going on there. That's the stuff I miss. That's the stuff I miss being part of the show is like the time that we got when, to spend in the cities and Yeah. And that's always the the fun part yeah, yeah do it like do it to ride a bike around and and or when we went to new york and you walked thirty thousand <laughs> steps before 9 a.m and then we're bedridden for two days uh yeah not not my <laughs> finest hour um by any means but uh but you know we did i did admit i missed out on some good good drinking and and fun times in brooklyn that night because I was in it. It was my first time in New York. You had to walk 30,000 steps before I had 10 to well, I didn't have to walk 30,000 steps. But I was like, I'm going to do like the New Yorkers do. And I'm going to walk everywhere. And it was just like, then I was like talking to my friends from New York or people who have lived in New York. And we were just like, you're insane. Like, why would you walk from the financial district to ground zero and then to the Statue of Liberty? And then from there to Central Park. That's ridiculous. But you saw you saw a lot of the city. I did see a lot of the city and it was beautiful. And I can't wait to go back and take a taxi. Yeah. Yeah. Or the subway. Those are great options. All great I options. Not, I will not be walking anywhere the next time no. I go back to New York. I think I've done that for a lifetime. All right. So here we go. Let's do some rapid fire just for funsies. Right. Um, do I have to answer fast? No, you don't have to answer fast. Because I want to answer uh, true. So, okay, here we go. Uh, what's one thing you really want to do that you haven't done yet? Go to Antarctica. Ooh. I've wanted one. to do that for a very long time. Now I think it's my, it might be a little frowned upon and like trendy because like Mr. Beast did it and a bunch of, bunch of influencers did it. But I've wanted to do it since like 2010 or, you know, my youth. Yeah. So... You know, it's a very pure desire. Yeah. 
That's and I cool. don't want to make a video out of it and broadcast it and post it on Instagram. I just want to go experience it. Yeah. Yeah. Throw your phone away and just go. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I inhaled some saliva just now, but I'm fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll throw my phone away uh, en route <laughs> to Antarctica. Yeah. Do you prefer movie or TV? I, de- I deeply love television, but I... Th- oh. Ooh. You know, that's a hard question. I'll I'll go with movie, but it's it's very close. And what's your favorite movie? I don't think I have an answer for that. Interesting. And what why don't you why don't you think you have an answer? Not even like just because you I, like so much or well, it it you know, I've never been one to have like a list of like this is why I have a contentious relationship with the show Top 5 Beatdown on Watcher Entertainment cuz I I don't really believe in ranking things. I've never, I've never been like, this is my favorite movie of all time. It, it, it changes depending on, you know, where I am in my life, what I've been mm-hmm. thinking about. I'm sure I've got a hundred favorite movies that I think about. Sometimes it's Speed Racer. Sometimes it's Speed Racer. There you go. Uh, I used to have a really stupid or annoying answer to that question where I'd be like, well, it depends on the genre. I have a favorite movie in every genre. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? Yeah. And this is me talking to me. I'm like, no one gives a shit, which like Jaws might be my favorite movie of all time. Um, I was going to say Jaws is probably your favorite movie of yeah. all time. <laughs> um, like I love Jaws. Yeah. Here's a full James Lipton question. What's your favorite curse word? Uh, I don't know. I think like impulsively, if I like stub a toe or do drop something I, like the thing that tends to come out of my mouth is motherfucker very emphatic but yeah that's a good one it says so it it says so many things it hits all the yeah it ticks all the boxes you know (laughs) everything vulgar it's lewd everything you need yeah what's your favorite insult to give or to (laughs) someone to give to you i guess i guess i could just use the previous answer for that one motherfucker i don't know (laughs) i don't know that i have i don't know that i have like go-to insults i'm not like Oh, That's we fine. could fill what you know uh, with the broad side of a barn, whatever people say. <laughs> What's the one dumber than a barnyard Second. mailbox? I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. know. Are you what do you want like folksy sayings from me? What is uh, how about uh you couldn't pour piss out of a boot if the instructions were written on the heel? Is that what you want? That's a good one. I mean, Thank I'll you. take it. Yeah. I remember hearing one on a radio commercial years ago, and it still cracks me up, where it was just a guy that goes, nice teeth, pal. I bet you could chew corn through a fence with those. That's good. That's that's really mean. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Who's your biggest inspiration? Or what? I guess it doesn't have to be a person. Biggest? Uh, I. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm failing. This is going great. This is really great. I'm very happy that we're doing this. This is awesome. Uh, Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. All right. I'm just giving you a name. I was just like, what? I, uh, I have no well, love let me nar- for Wayne Let me Newton narrow it down for you. Let me narrow it down for you. So um, if it if it helps. Obviously, you're a creator and you're, you're doing stuff. Uh, online and in new media. But you've also done um television you've you've acted a little bit you are a star I've been on cbs's of, swat 
I know you are a star of screen and screen. That's um, true. Yeah. Let's do it just like from a performance perspective. Who do you take from the most? Do you think uh, in in performance? Like when you watch someone, who do you're like? That's good. I would like to bring that same amount of work and energy that 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 person does. Because I think of one person when you when I see you perform, I think of one specific person. I'm not trying to, like, get this answer from you. I'm just curious if it's the same. Um, and and I don't know if you would believe me when I say it, but I see it every time. No, I'm really racking my brain trying to trying to figure out. Uh, but you don't have to figure out what I think. I just want you to. Well, I. No, I'm also try. I I don't know if I have that in my brain when I when I do stuff. <laughs> I'm being the most frustrating uh, interviewee imaginable right now. You know what's interesting? Here's here's something. I think I don't often like consciously uh, uh, think about these things. A funny thing that happened recently is uh, it was like the I want to say it was like the 10th anniversary of this Australian show called Danger Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danger Five. Uh, this incredible Australian show uh, by these. It's, it's this creative team that also did. Uh, they had a series called Italian Spider Man. Have you ever seen that? Oh yes, I have. They seen did that. Italian Spider Man. They they made they made a lot of stuff. Their stuff looks like almost like old giallo type. You know, like overdubbing, and it's got a very like sixties seventies aesthetic to it. Yeah. Uh, and Danger Five had a ton of uh, like the the plot was very cartoonish and crazy. They did a lot of model work, and and um, I loved it. There was only two seasons of it, but it was up in it was in conversation like at some point in the past year because it hit a milestone. It had been out for ten years, and I haven't thought of it in a very long time. But mm-hmm. uh, as I was sort of revisiting clips from it, I was like, oh, this shaped so much of of like how I approached puppet history. And I really didn't even realize it till now, but it was yeah. definitely. So, yeah, I don't think I'm really, I don't really know how conscious I of how conscious I am of those sort of influences. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm sure there's people I look up to like Wayne Newton uh who are just uh, like floating in my head when i'm when i'm getting out there um so yeah that was a, a substantial answer you know that was a great that was a great answer i'm gonna cut it all out and just keep in wayne newton that's what okay I'm good gonna do. good 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 and there's not gonna be we're not gonna have any dialogue afterwards it's just gonna be wayne newton <laughs> wait next question wayne newton next question tj <laughs> that's amazing sam rockwell i think of sam rockwell every time i see you perform well that's a wonderful compliment who who doesn't love him i remember seeing matchstick men in high school and being like oh so good who's he yeah he's so funny in matchstick men yeah oh so good yeah but you 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 give off in my opinion you give off major sam rockwell hey i'll take it baby there you go final thing What's something that you love unconditionally? Sarah. My cat, knew- Obi. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going down I the list. I knew it was either going to be Sarah or Obi or both. Um, 
So I think birds, is. birds. You love birds unconditionally. Yeah, they've never done anything bad to me. All right. You've never been shit on by a bird? Yeah, I have, but, you know, they're just living it's their lives. It's not their fault. They're just living their life. Yeah. yeah. Unless that's what they want you to think. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't maybe know. Maybe they're just sitting there they and they're be, like, they could have look, intentions. At this, look at this fucking walking tree up here. <laughs> look at this fucking guy. Let's shit <laughs> this, on him. This fucking guy. Let's just take a major fucking dump. <laughs> um, oh, boy. This is going way off the rails. But yeah, man, thank you so much for for doing this. I hope uh, you had just as much fun as I did. Um, I had a blast is... sitting here in my closet. Um, next time we'll do it in person. Yeah, there you go. Well, that'll be that'll be what we need to do. Yep. So I the next time I will I will make sure I have everything fully set up so we can we can do it in person. Before then, I'll actually um, divide up my life into three other chapters. So that we can have me on three more times and really, really get granular about it. We can devote an entire episode to the two months that I worked in the storeroom at Abercrombie and Fitch. I love all of this. Yep. We're going to call it the Shane Madey anthology. Okay, I'm going to scrap. Okay. I'm scrapping the co-worked podcast now. This is now <laughs> just going to become the Shane Madey Shane anthology. Every 95% of episodes when I'm not there, you'll have to start it out with Shane couldn't be here this week. So we're going to be talking to Eli Vasquez. Eli, what was it like working with Shane Madey? <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, TJ, thank you for having me. This has been an absolute treat. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm glad that you are my first guest. Um, it, it's an honor, and it was a pleasure to work with you. And hey, um, thank you. And uh, I'm sorry we're not friends anymore, but no, we're still friends. We gotta go to a baseball game. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry we're not friends anymore. We'll work <laughs> together again. We'll work together again. We can only be work friends. We can't be real friends. No, we can't we'll be, be real, real friends. You know what? The, our going to a baseball game will kick off our our non-work friendship yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 all right man well i'll let you go thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me i appreciate it and this is where the outro music plays that's right yeah good scene i love you shane <laughs> i love you too tj <laughs> all right that was shane madey always fun to sit down and chat with shane uh, love the guy. Love the guy. Great guy, that guy. Uh, for those of you who want to know and don't know the title of Shane's book, as he could not remember it, it is BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural, 101 True Tales of Hauntings, Demons, and the Paranormal. It is on Amazon and also uh, apparently somewhere in bookstores, but Shane doesn't know it because he can't find it. So if you find it at a bookstore, take a pic, tag Shane, maybe tell him where it is, and maybe in his travels he'll be able to uh, document it actually being a real book and is out there in the world. Don't forget to check out Ghost Files Season 2 out now, Watcher's YouTube channel. Also, if you're looking for tour information uh, for the Ghost Files tour, you can go to watcherentertainment.com slash tour. There are a couple cities that still have tickets, Minneapolis, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. So get those tickets as soon as you can if you want to check out that tour. That's it for Coworked. Thank you so much for being here for our first episode, and we'll see you next time.